BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of Greenrope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Fashtok, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Now, executives, I want you to hear me out. I know that in your company today, one of the things, especially if you're a fast growing company, is you are seeing the pull and the tug and the miscommunication and the misalignment between your marketing team and your technology team. And you would love to be able to bring those two together, be able to not only deal with what you're working on right now to maintain the ship, but also still be able to get time and carve out ways to come up with the new innovative things about your tomorrow and have fortunate discoveries. Well, listen up. This is for you. You should insert a company that can help you make fortunate discoveries about tomorrow today. That is Serendipity Interactive. This company fuels innovation by helping you make those fortunate discoveries. If you want to learn more, feel free. Go to our website, www.serendipityinteractive.com. That's www.serendipityinteractive.com. Tell them Chris sent you and be prepared to make your fortunate discovery today. Hey, I know you're enjoying the show, but you also have a product or service and you think it would actually be beneficial for executives that we interview or those who listen to our show or our audience. How about if you had your product or service right here in this spot? Well, if you want more information or you're interested in being able to advertise with us or potentially be a sponsor, feel free to send me an email info at highlevelwisdom.com info at highlevelwisdom.com to learn how you can advertise and or be a sponsor of our show. Now, let's listen to this week's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Hey, if this is your first time, welcome. I hope that however you found out about this show, whether it was through Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at our handle at High Level Wisdom or whether you went to our website, www.highlevelwisdom.com. Or maybe you were talking to a coworker, a friend or uh, another executive 
Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this show. And today I have a very, very special um, interview today with a uh, what I call the man's man, uh, the CEO of CEOs. I've had an opportunity to meet none other than Jay McDonald. Now, if you don't know who Jay McDonald is, I promise you. By the time this interview is over, you will know who he is. He's an incredible man with an incredible vision. Uh, and he shared with me that he uh, failed to retire five times. <laughs> uh, he has over 40 years of experience of, of, of running companies, solving problems uh, from athletic gear companies such as uh, Russell Athletics, which, um, you know, a lot of people might remember. I have a very close tie to that. I grew up in Gainesville, Florida and, um, you know, baby Gators. And, you know, for all of those Gator fans, you might remember those things. But, um, yeah, we, we've seen the company. And so here I am, you know, decades later to meet the gentleman who was responsible for growing that brand is incredible to me. But he's also helped in a lot of other companies. And so you're going to hear his interview today. So I want to just give you that little teaser um, again. This gentleman is going to give you something to think about when you listen to his story. Here's my interview with none other than Jay McDonald. Take a listen. McDonald, Jay, how are you today? Fantastic. Good to speak with you, Chris. Absolutely. So I don't want to spoil it for, for those who who may be listening. But here's what I would like to do, Jay. Your career is extensive. Uh, you have not only helped build multiple companies, but you've also been successful at exiting those companies as well, which is pretty fascinating considering sometimes CEOs probably feel like they get stuck over time. But what I would like to do, Jay, if you don't mind, is let's start from the beginning. Let's let's start with you know, how did you end up becoming the CEO of the first company that you that you worked with? And what was that company like? And when did you kind of get the sense that, you know, leadership at that level was really uh, not only something that you desired, but something that you knew uh, you could do from the from from the very beginning? So so walk us through that journey of the of, of your 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 tenure from beginning until now. All right, my. um early career, Chris, was corporate banking, and I was responsible for the corporate banking for the largest bank in the South at the time, and for correspondent banking and regulated industries, uh, leading the largest lending division of that bank. A client approached me asking what I was going to do long term, what my future held, and I answered, well, I think if I keep my nose clean and uh, continue on the pathway that I'm on, uh, I've got a reasonable chance of being one of the handful of people who run this bank. I had been told that I was earmarked as one of three people at least uh, who were considered high potentials to ultimately be the CEO or president of the organization. He then followed that with, I've got, uh, he had a client uh, who had a great business in the sporting goods arena um, who did not have anyone within the business to succeed him and 
had one child, a daughter, valedictorian of her class uh, at Davidson, who also wasn't interested uh, in being in the business. And he said, I think the two of you would be a good fit. You're a good business person. You're 30 years younger than he is, and you love sports and so forth. He said, would you like to meet him? And I said, I'd be happy to meet him, but I don't want to um, imply that, you know, I'm leaving my current role or or doing any anything different. So we met and got to know one another, good chemistry. It was a great business, and three years later, we ended up actually doing something, and uh, he, um, the owner of the business, asked me to outline what I would do if I bought into the business and ultimately took over for him, which I did, and uh, I guess whatever I said uh, rang a bell with him, and uh, so I, I ended up buying into the largest sporting goods distributor in the South, um, ultimately becoming its president and obviously a co-owner, and um, we grew that business fourfold over uh, about eight and a half years, and ultimately sold it to Russell Corporation. That that company outfitted all of the major athletic teams in the South. We had virtually every college and university throughout five states, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Alabama. We had all the professional teams, the Falcons, the Miami Dolphins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Flames hockey team, and we had 80% of the high schools in Little Leagues. We represented exclusively Russell Athletic, Johnson & Johnson Athletic, K-Swiss and Pony Shoes, um, American Baseball Cap, which was the Major League Batting Helmet, Riddell Football Helmet. And, wow shoulder pads and so forth, and Don Joy knee braces. Anyway, lot, lots of lines, and that also happened to be an era when uh, looking like an athlete was almost as important as being an athlete. So the, the uh, workout apparel be became quite popular and authentic workout apparel, and then licensed products, logoed merchandise for colleges, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, also were popular, and we we were the largest licensee uh, for college merchandise in the country. Now, did you see so, that kind of coming? Was business. it something that you were interested in? How did you kind of get to this space? Well, leadership has always been something I was interested in. I thought my career path was to run a run a bank, and I was successfully on that path and 
I think could have done that. I told the CEO of the bank when I left that I wanted to see if I could be as good as I thought I could be, and and uh, I told him I know I can be a good banker, and if this doesn't work, I can always go back into banking, and um, he was nice enough to say, well, you're welcome here, back here anytime, and uh, uh, that never never happened, and um, having my own business was attractive to me. Uh, many people asked me uh, after that move, uh, well, isn't it great owning your own business, and my reply was, First, you've got that reversed. You don't own your own business. Your business owns you. Uh, <laughs> sure. And uh, uh, it is great to uh, build something and and to uh, employ great folks and deal with wonderful customers and you know see the fruits of your labor. But it's also uh, 365-day, 24-7 endeavor to be an entrepreneur. So the buck stops with you, and if the alarm system goes off at 4 a.m. in the morning, even though you know it's probably just bad weather and, and a, a, a glitch due to lightning, not a true robber in the building, you've got to go out, meet the police, walk through the building, and make, make sure everything's okay. So, right. Um, many people, I don't think, fully understand the commitment that business owners make to their businesses to allow them to be successful. So you've, you've got to have the passion and, and the drive to, uh, to want to make it happen. It's it's not a nine to five position. Absolutely. So, so you've done work over literally decades. And what I want to do is kind of dive into what it's like being a CEO and kind of the, 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 the things that a CEO is thinking about, because really what I want for our younger audience who might be millennials, who might be emerging leadership in companies right now, I want them to really walk away from our conversation with you today with a sense of understanding if they really want to be in that position, what it's like. So, so let's just kind of start, um, with, with, with this and, and, and Jay, I would love your perspective. Um, it, it, tell me in your opinion over the, the number of, of leaders, which I, I understand that you've helped groom and mold over 300 leaders in your, in your time as CEO, but, what do you feel is something that makes a great CEO? What are some of those qualities and those things that are attractive to you when you were doing your succession planning? Well, there are lots, lots of things, and obviously there's a need at some point for functional and technical competence in whatever it is that you're doing. I um, owned and ran different businesses in different industries, none of which I was technically competent in when I started. I mean, I had general business experience and background, but so 
so you've got to learn those things, and you you so you need curiosity. You you need drive. Um, no one is going to tell you, you know, get up at six in the morning and go to work and stay as long as it takes and do those things. You've, you've got to have that inner fire um, within you and, and the passion and drive to make the business successful and to pay the price. Um, obviously, you have to have a sense of, of maturity. Uh, there's lots of responsibility in being a CEO, and that needs to be taken seriously. Um, you need to understand that you can't do it alone. Although it's lonely at the top, you you need keep teammates to help uh, any business succeed, and you need to have enough trust and confidence within your team uh, to develop them and to delegate to them and really give them the authority and responsibility to, uh, to do their job. 80% uh, solutions are all right. Uh, if you're a perfectionist, which many are, um, you may spend your life driving yourself crazy because as you seek to get the perfect solution, the opportunity will likely pass you by. So uh, I used to tell my, and still tell leaders that I work with, I coach leaders today uh, and CEOs, it's okay to break a little glass. Uh, we're not going to be perfect, and if we wait for perfect, we will seldom get much done. So you, you've got to make decisions. Indecision is a decision uh, and has consequences just like making a decision does. And if you make the wrong decision, you've got the opportunity to make another decision. So leaders have to be decisive. Uh, they've got to be energetic. They need to take care of themselves uh, physically and mentally, uh, get enough sleep, eat healthily, um, exercise, have a work-life balance, and prioritize their time. I, I hear people often say, well, I don't have enough time for this or enough time for that. Uh, I ask a kind of a dumb question, but I, I said, do you know how many seconds are in a day? And they look at me like I'm an idiot, but uh, and the answer is 86,400. And, and then I say, well, uh, you have the same number of seconds in a day that I do and that the President of the United States does, and that Elon Musk does, that uh, Bill Gates does. All of us have the same number of seconds in every day. So it's not that you don't have the time. It's not, it's, 
more that you don't make the dime. And one of the things that CEOs have to be good at is uh, making the time on the right things. They need a vision. They need a, as Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, says, uh, they need a why that will attract uh, like people with similar whys to work in their organization and to do business with them. And being able to articulate, uh, articulate the, uh, the why uh, that they're in business is, I think, um, a key to success too. Obviously, the things of, of working hard and working smart, um, and being being a person who's a lifelong learner, uh, the constant that all of us have in business and in life is change, and being able to adapt to change and to stay ahead of that curve and see the trends and uh, recognize that uh, if you don't adapt and change, you're going to go out of business. So, Absolutely. So, so you mentioned something earlier. You, you, you talked about, you know, not only CEOs having time, but that it's lonely at the top. Take, Take us into that perspective. Why is it lonely at the top as a CEO? And what should emerging leaders who want to be a CEO one day of a corporation do um, so that, you know, they, they're, they're better than their predecessor? Well, it's, it's lonely at the top because, as Harry Truman said, the buck stops here. Um, Ultimately, the CEO has accountability and responsibility for the final decisions. And there are many things that impact a decision that you may not be able to share with all of your employees, with perhaps your investors, perhaps even your spouse or significant other, because they may not have the same perspective that you do. You don't want to frighten them about losing their job or, you know, how tough things may be at at a given point in time. And you also don't want rumors to get out into the market about uh, what you're doing. And sometimes people have a hard time not sharing exciting news or ideas. And so a way to deal with lonely at the top is to have mentors, have people uh, whom you respect, who've sort of been there, done that, that you can learn from and, and talk to. There are also leadership peer groups that are around. I'm a, a chair of a leadership peer organization in Atlanta called Vistage, where non-competitive 
owners and CEOs of businesses with diverse backgrounds in different co companies, nobody competes, as I said, get together for a full day once a month to meet with one another and talk about challenges, issues, opportunities, and to use the collective wisdom of the group to make better decisions, to hold them accountable. I also do one-to-one -one coaching with all those people too. And there are other organizations um, like that that allow you to uh, be in a, an agenda-free environment with people whose only objective is to make one another better, to make each other the best they can be. And uh, that's another way of curing lonely at the top. Having a board of directors, uh, most companies of um, at least a reasonable size do create a board of directors and um, that also is additional knowledge. Having relationships with your uh, key advisors, your accountant, your banker, your investment advisor, your insurance professional, your um, fire engine's passing. <laughs> it's okay. I'm <laughs> um, not, my office isn't on fire. Um, the all of those professionals are, are important in investment bankers and lawyers and others. But most of those people have agendas. Employees have agendas. Even your board has an agenda. Not necessarily a negative agenda, but um, an angle that they're pushing. Uh, and frankly, a lot of, uh, a lot of people tell you, what they think you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. So one of the expressions that some of my clients use with me, they say I'm the mirror that they look into that doesn't always smile back. You want to surround <laughs> yourself with people who tell you the truth. Absolutely. You don't need yes people, and you need people around you who compliment you and are good at what you may not be so good at. Absolutely. So that that makes me think of uh, something that as you were talking through this and sharing about your background, I'm curious, Jay, is being a CEO uh, 30 years ago vastly different than being a CEO today? And does it matter the pressure, whether it's a small company versus a large Fortune 500 company, is the pressure still the same? I think the pressures are somewhat different. And being a CEO today, I think, has many similarities to being a CEO 30 years ago. Obviously, the world has changed. Technology is... Um, a bigger and bigger disruptor today, but it's also an opportunity. You know, as we embrace artificial intelligence, robotics, driverless cars, um, 
and uh, just vast data that's available. Um, there are opportunities and challenges for using all that and for knowing how that may may affect whatever business you're in. But I think the fundamentals of being a leader are not that different. Uh, the skill sets may be a little different. That's why the continuous learning is, is so important and the ability to change and continue to make your, yourself better. Um, the in terms of a smaller business versus a, a Fortune 500 company, obviously companies in the public arena, publicly traded companies like Fortune 500 companies, have a whole different uh, responsibility to public shareholders. They have to be very uh, careful about the information that they release and when they release it. Uh, you have to make sure they don't provide insider information to any uh, individuals or groups of people that would not be available to the public. And many of those companies uh, are on what I call the quarterly earnings roller coaster. And sometimes they make decisions that are more short-term than long-term. Uh, it's amazing to me that there are companies and people out there who do think long-term. Elon Musk is, is one, when you talk about thinking outside the box, I don't think he even has a box. Right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, when he after PayPal and his success with PayPal, and he he's a, a millionaire, uh, he goes to investors and says, I'm going to start an American car company, uh, and uh, by the way, it's going to be an electric car. And at that time, there had not been a successful American car company since 1927. Wow. Which Chrysler. And um, so he says, and also I'm going to give the technology to all the competitors in Detroit uh, for electric cars. And he says, by the way, we're going to lose a billion dollars a year. Uh, and we're going to start with one model that's a kind of super duper sports model. Then we're going to make a luxury sedan. We're going to lose a billion dollars on each one of those. Then we're going to have an SUV, and we're, we're going to lose on that. And then we're going to come out with a three, and then we're going to start making money. And that was around 2000. It's 17 years later. And uh, so that's a long view. Will it turn out? Uh, as a great success? Uh, will SpaceX turn out as great success? Will he colonize Mars? I don't know, but that's how he thinks. He thinks in a way um, far more uh, 
in a far more visionary way than a lot of people. And there are not a lot of people like him around. But That's right. Uh, so CEOs need to do that, but they've got to attract the funding to do that too. And there is money out there. Um, when you're in a smaller business, you have to do more of the uh, functional activities yourself. Uh, you have a smaller team. You don't have a large armies of people to uh, to do a lot a lot of the legwork and the support work that that is needed. That's one thing I tell younger entrepreneurs that you need to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get in the trenches. Um, and I think that's true whether you're head of Coca-Cola or whether you're head of a um, bicycle shop around the corner. Uh, you've got to understand what's going on with your employees, with your customers, with your um, vendors, and your most of all your competitors, and how do you uniquely compete uh, and what's your niche in the market. So uh, building a successful management team over time is a key role for the CEO too. And having that team that can leverage one another's talent Absolutely. Uh, is, is what takes a company to the next level. So let's talk a little bit about the, those struggles that, you know, might exist. And I would love your perspective on, you know, where do you see baby boomers and millennials struggle as we have uh, three decades inside of the workforce right now. You have emerging leaders and millennials and you have baby boomer executives right now. Where do you see some kind of uh, uh, rub, if you will, between the two generations when it comes to working together and and really um, bringing for the baby boomer, bringing up that emerging leadership to, to, to be able to uh, you know, continue the company down the line. What what kind of things and struggles do you notice in companies today? Well, they they come from different experiences. We all are a product of our life experiences, and um, baby boomers um, grew up in an era after World War Two in which education was considered very important to success. Um, we had good economies throughout most of the 50s and 60s and uh, in into the 70s, a little glitch here and there in, in the 70s, and then uh, again, good economies in the 80s and, and 90s for the most part. Um, millennials have grown up with technology. They've had computers their whole life. They've not known a world without computers and video games and things like that. So a lot of what each, gen each of those generations did as young people um, were different. Um, the baby boomers um, played outside 
were involved in a lot of different activities and different um, kinds of, of of things. You uh, diversity of experience was was encouraged hmm. uh, in um, and getting to relate to other people and deal with other people in schoolyard uh, games and you know backyard brawls and things like that you learn you got street smart uh and you you learned uh how to make your way obviously there were lots of things within that generation that perhaps weren't so good and it's called been called the me generation and i th- i think characterizing any group of people uh is is dangerous. Everybody's different, and everybody's uh, no, no. You know, I'm I'm a a baby boomer. I not that there's anything wrong with it, but I wasn't a drug head and a hippie and a pot smoker and what have you. I, you know, I went to work when I was 11 years old and and uh, continued working pretty much my whole life as a you said I flunked retirement five times, so, so uh, you you can't put everybody in the same box. Absolutely, M- millennials are um, because they were exposed to hundreds of television channels and video games and other things. A lot of times they did things on their own as opposed to with. Uh, other people so the interpersonal relationships are a little bit different hmm, um, interesting millennials have also seen the um, gold watch theory of staying with one company for your whole career uh, not paying out so well for their parents and um, so they're not as loyal to organizations they change jobs a lot and it's the millennial group is the largest uh, group in our workforce today Uh, they're the best educated group of people ever Um, but they want a work-life balance probably in a greater to a greater degree than most baby boomers thought about they uh, they look for the quality of work and the quality of the uh, relationships within a team that they work with in collaboration and the value of the work they do. I think that was also true of baby boomers, but things were a lot more structured during that generation than they are today. Technology allows virtual employment. Uh, you can work almost anywhere. Absolutely. You, you can do all sorts of things. So I think the way they collaborate and work together is they talk to each other and they respect each other for what each brings to the table. The boomer brings a lifetime of experience that uh, can be valuable because they walk the pathway that 
millennials will walk, even though the pathways change a little bit. And boomers can learn from millennials because millennials, frankly, have a uh, healthier perspective toward uh, life, family, and and relationships, uh, and uh, with within their close family, and they know how to use technology and understand what's likely to be next, perhaps better than uh, the older generation does. The other thing that I think um, both groups um, need to think about um, is communications, relationships, and emotional intelligence. In my opinion, you, people hire folks because of their functional and technical qualities. But the folks who don't succeed usually don't succeed because of interpersonal relationships, poor communications, or low emotional intelligence. Most successful CEOs have a pretty good balance between logic and empathy and emotional intelligence, being able to relate to people. And the one thing I would say to millennials um, and to er I say to everybody is life is a contact sport, and you never know whom you're going to meet that may make a difference in your career and in your life and you never know who might help you learn uh, something that uh, you need to learn to uh, succeed uh, geometrically successfully at the next level. Uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the founders of Google, met each other when Sergey was Larry's tour guide at Stanford when Larry was considering going to graduate school there. Uh, they both ended up in the computing school at Stanford and did a research project on you know, how to do term papers or research term papers in a better way than the card catalog in the library. And since Google was started, they're both um, worth $40 billion plus, and that was a chance meeting. Uh, so embrace those people relationships. The human side of things has more to do with success than the technical side of things, in my opinion. Well, that wraps up another great episode um, and a start of a wonderful week. Um, this is something that I think you really want to go back and make sure that you do a couple of things. If you want to know and be ready when the next uh, part of my interview with Jay McDonald airs, well, do a couple of simple things. Turn on your alerts. You can make sure that you find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at High Level Wisdom all together. Or you can simply subscribe. Yes, you can find us wherever you podcast iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcast, or you can find us on AHA Radio, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it, you can find our show. Make sure you subscribe and turn on your alerts. That way you'll know when my part two 
of the interview comes out this Thursday of the, my wonderful conversation with Jay McDonald. Hey, listen, if you are into what we do, sign up for our newsletter as well. Maybe you don't get an opportunity to listen all the time, but if you sign up for our newsletter on our website, you will receive one email per week with a summary of all that has come out on high level wisdom from the generation leaders. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that whatever you do today, make sure you do it at a high level. Take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.